Welcome to the West of North London podcast. I'm Caleb. I'm Tim. Hey. Hey. <laughs> we got a win. So I know. I'm feeling pretty good this week. Uh, didn't it make just to make your weekend? I, my birthday was yesterday, and I was still riding the high from the <laughs> win on on Sunday. So it it believe me, I would have if they would have had lost, I would have had a bad birthday. Yeah, it would have still been affecting me. You know what's great about that win? By the way, happy birthday! Thank you. What was great about that win is on Monday I went and watched the Man City or Man City the Man United uh, Chelsea game over at the Georgian Dragon. And as I was sitting there, I sat next to a guy in a Burkham shirt, which was pretty awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> as I was sitting there watching the game, I was like, you know what? It's nice having a win under your belt and watching these other games because like yeah, you feel like you got your part done with, and now it's just enjoying watching other teams suffer. Yeah, right. Like yeah, it's funny we can. We will talk about uh, why some of these games are a little more important all of a sudden, yeah. but uh, um, it is interesting. It does seem like the league is up in the air again, so watching other teams and feeling like we're in the mix yeah. all of a sudden is a really nice feeling. It's amazing what one game will do. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. Um, so anyways, let's get to my question. Speaking of news in the, uh, in the news, I think we're all aware of the stuff that is going on with Man City, and I think we'll go much more in depth with it right later in the show but i wanted to ask you outside of monetary champions league player spanning what kind of punishment would you give man city oh man i would take away it's harsh but you know trophies <laughs> wow you're going that way i I don't think it's two years of, yeah, you know, like two years of non-Champions League. They've been supposedly cheating for uh, since 2012, yeah. most of the decade, basically since they took over that group. Like they've had some level of misreporting, it sounds like. So you take away the trophies. You, how the, the owners clearly think they could get away with this yeah. stuff. So I think two years is kind of light. Yeah. I think like you knowing how the arbitration process goes and how a lot of these things have like kind of slid by with minimal fees. Yeah. They've slapped the wrist of some other teams and it had yeah. reduced sentencing. Um, but this is brazen enough, I think. And they're, they're going to refute it to the end of course. Yeah. But I think the stuff that has come out about it, um, it seems pretty like pretty much like an open and shut case. Their complaint is that like information was leaked. It doesn't make the information not true. Yeah. You know, it being leaked, it shouldn't mean anything. Yeah. As that, I think we'll, we'll go, we're going to go in a little bit more, but I, when I was thinking my punishment, I think we should replace their sponsorship and take away the, cause it's all about their sponsorship. Sure. Replace their sponsorship. Or that's a, that's a way to clean the money. I mean, sponsors well, are a big part of this. Yeah. And just replace it with a big thing that says cheaters across yeah, their chest. I like that. And uh, make them play in the L Cheater Stadium. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they should lose some of that identity or yeah. at least own this new identity. <laughs> exactly. I like it. Um, should we? I, I think it's kind of. Uh, before we get into this match from last week, the, yeah. let's just continue with the Manchester City stuff since we're already talking about yeah. it. Um, that came out before this last game. And. It changed. I, I think it changed the Premier League narrative by a lot, mm -hmm. and it's still unfolding. But um, the idea that suddenly fifth place is in play for Champions League is—it's what what a twist. Well, I mean, who would have seen that coming? The, the thing that's crazy is a you don't want to get too excited about this. Too too. I'm not excited for like an Arsenal perspective yeah. per se. Like I said, it puts us in the mix, but it makes the league. A million times more interesting now that Liverpool can run away with it, and all of a mm -hmm. sudden the next four teams, if you include Manchester City, are fighting. You know, like it, it's like a real battle to get that fifth spot now. I, but the, the the caution I'm I'm putting is there's no that's going to the court, CES, the Court of Arbitration right. in Sports, and often they fast track these type of things, but they may not fast track it. It depends on how complicated they see. Sure. So this may not even happen this year. And then the other side is the Federation can choose to award this 
spot in the Champions League in any way they kind of see fit. So sure. it may not directly be fifth place or something right. like that. We'll it's, go with the FA Cup or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, there's, a, there's a myriad of possibilities that can happen with it. So I... But it does seem really interesting. It's... It, it, yeah, it, cha- it would change the way this the rest of the season played out for sure. And I think the one thing I, I wish the um, I think the two year sentence is on the lighter end. Yeah, for what they supposedly were doing. And so I don't know, like if they appeal, are they going to end up with a year or you know just just a, a fine or something instead? We don't really know, but. I think they should have gone higher, like say a four year or three year um, ban mm-hmm. and then negotiated down to two. You know, that that makes the, the swiggle room to get it down to one or less is like that. That would be really disappointing, I think. Yeah, I think it would be disappointing. I, one, one of the things I have kind of read about the situation is that the CAS in an overwhelming majority of cases supports the uh, federation yeah. in these things. So if it goes to a direct uh, appeal, I, there's a large chance that uh, that uh, city's going to lose it. The other side of it too is that uh, when you're comparing it to the other cases, like the Milan case, the PSG case, they were working actively with UEFA to to mitigate this. They were, while still contesting, working and uh, you know trying to to mitigate these these things. Whereas Man City's just kind of going out with double middle fingers blazing saying, <laughs> fuck you all we're gonna do what we want right. basically yeah that's the brazenness that shocks me like yeah. all along the way it's like they feel like they are above it somehow or their money should speak for itself yeah and i don't know how many of those emails you've actually read uh for that were just a like, couple kind of just outlining outlining like we gotta keep our receipts or you know yeah. kind of like show a paper trail for these uh fake uh sponsorship deals and that sort of thing. It's just like, yeah, guys, come on. It's just so, it's so brazen. And for them to come out with, well, you shouldn't be reading our emails anyways, is not going to be a good excuse. Yeah. Or this, yeah, this information shouldn't have leaked out. It's like, yeah, it, it, it prejudiced the case against them. But it, like I said, it doesn't change the fact that they did something egregious. Um, so whether it's prejudiced or not, of course it is. It's obviously that there was wrongdoing here. Yeah, and I, I, and I do think it's refreshing because you saw what City was doing, and you could see it from a mile away that it was financial doping. They were trying to get around this. I mean, the, the amount of money they've spent is astronomical. So is Wenger a profit for coming up with the financial <laughs> doping uh, turn of phrase? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because it is now in everyday speech. It's uh, used all the time, and yeah. fa- the Spanish, uh, the Liga, uh, the La Liga president used fi- the words "financial doping" when talking about the situation because he he's over the moon. There is the interesting side of this, though, that the financial fair play kind of, in some ways, doesn't make it a fair fair play. If you're a small, if you're a city or a team like City that wants to go and have ambition and wants to become a, a better side and join the elite. With financial fair play, it actually restricts how you can do that, right. which is interesting. So it just keeps the rich clubs kind of rich and the, the, the other clubs down in their own station, which is an interesting side. Yeah, that is true. But um, it's kind of it's a weird like restriction, sort of like the MLS setup of having uh, the salary caps and kind of like a, a the combined league as a whole working for each yeah. team. Um it's like these weird constructs that are put in place to like maintain this league control where owners can kind of maintain their place in the the hierarchy of things and they're not they're never threatened by how bad or good like they can make mistakes and still bounce back. Yeah. Um that's I mean you it's hard to break those tiers. We've seen teams do it. And if you can be a um the Leicester and Cinderella story and make that leap one year, that's that's tough. Like yeah. making jumping tiers like that, and then once you get that Champions League, it can kind of help propel you. But maintaining that over a long period of time and like keeping a team together without the same level of investment that other teams are able to make, the, the those teams fall apart. Like the, it's hard to keep the the core together if you can't pay for, 
you know, you can't keep up with the, the money that's being tossed around at the high end. You're they're going to get lured away and broken up, like usually one to two years within a championship run. So keeping those sorts of things and be able to refresh and get younger players in, that kind of stuff is really difficult for a, a tiny club to that's just come up from the championship like making that leap to the next tier and the next tier like there's a lot of money that has to go into that that these clubs will never get yeah and, and that's the thing is it creates a the financial fair play creates a glass ceiling with it you can't spend more than your your revenues whereas a team even arsenal actually benefits from this which is a team that has a global profile is instantly going to have a lot higher ceiling that they can spend before running afoul right and then you have a team like city back in the day that didn't have an, an international they barely are starting to get one now but uh they to do it, you basically do have to cheat. And yeah. I mean, they put these in place to stop teams like Chelsea and PSG and uh, City from, from doing this. But at the same time, is it financial fair play, really? Or is it uh, status quo fair play? Sure. Yeah, I think. And then you talk about like the formation of like the super, super club uh, league. Um, th- there's so many teams that would get left out of those additional means of of bringing in income and like that that can further further strata stratify yeah, that's stratify a that's a word I stratify the the leagues and, and and like the champ making the champions league is certainly a level of status but separating out a group of clubs that just are are playing together because they all share a, an amount of wealth and, and global clout that other teams can't achieve. Like they're going to continue to be the haves and push down those other teams. Then it would be a more more egregious as you like bring in these clubs from uh, other countries. So it's not just the Premier League that would benefit from that. There would be the the Juventus, the Barcelonas, the Madrids would continue to dominate in their respective leagues as well. And and that is the UEFA. I think the fair play also ties into the the soup the European Super League push that a lot of the top clubs have been trying to do, kind of break away from UEFA and create their own league. And so financial fair play helps to kind of create that situation where the super clubs still get to stay super clubs. Right. While adding financial breaks to the thing it's not fun when teams dominate that's one thing i appreciate when um you know the premier league just has a a a top tier that's much broader than any other league um so that's one thing i like about it i like that there's teams that are fighting for those you know where arsenal is now the the kind of middle middle group that that's like some of the most fun to watch because they're kind of pushing for europa league they're occasionally making that leap and it's it's you need that top to bottom i think that's why people say premier league is the best in the world is because of that that semi-parity where any team could make that run and you see teams come out of nowhere and kind of start nipping at the heels of the top six and we've seen tottenham uh kind of edge their way up as we've gone the other direction and that's to those fans, that's what you you need. You have to have that sort of parity where these teams are are battling, and when it starts to really stratify, and you got, stratify, excuse me, you've got like a one or two clubs that are really pulling away. That's, I think that the Premier League would lose interest, and they'd have to change something to make that better. So I think for them that being the continuing to be the best league in the world isn't that there benefit like the players are going to continue want to come there you want to have the most fans the best tv deals that sort of thing so at some point you have to protect that and, and continue to allow those uh that level of parity to flourish in the premier league or it's it's gonna die yeah and i mean it's interesting when you look around europe i d- i don't have the actual stats but i've read an article somewhere just about how little parity there is in the rest of europe it's actually a record-breaking year for teams that are ha- running away with the league. And actually, yeah. this year, <laughs> the Premier League is actually in the same right. boat. And it's, uh, I mean... But it's not like one one or two teams of the same two teams running away with it every year. And we've seen Man City and, and Liverpool kind yeah. of battle over it the last... But that's that's the last couple of years. That's not like something that, that we've seen teams that are dominant, like Man, Man United for a bit. And occasionally that happens where they get, get some runs. But for the most part, it's... They're, it flops around and teams rise and have their periods of dominance. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> what does that mean for the rest of the Arsenal season? We don't know, but in the meantime, we're still got 
something to play for in, in the Europa League this week. We've got the FA Cup coming up. But the Premier League could still be in play because <clears throat> say we get that or we want to get that fifth place spot. We probably want it anyway for Europa League purposes or at least to make that. But we're now within hunting distance after a win at Newcastle. We're at six points. Who would have thought? Yeah, that, that win felt so good. I know it's just a win, and it shows you how starved we are for wins. That is, it, I mean... But if they would have won 1-0, I don't think anybody... I mean, there would be good feelings. Yeah. If we had just stopped at that Aubameyang goal, everybody would be happy with that. Aubameyang scores, great. Yeah. It's everything else. It's goals three through... or. Two through four that really set up an amazing narrative for Arsenal, I think. Well, it, it was interesting because I, I think the person I was sitting next to when I was at Georgian Dragon watching the game with the, the not Beckham, the uh, Burkamp, that was horrible, uh, the Burkamp jersey, <laughs> I, uh-huh. I, I mentioned how it got in. His, his response was, well, it really felt like a 2 0 win, anyways, because those two other goals were later in the game. Garbage time goals, yeah. Yeah. And I see that to a certain extent. But I, especially the fourth goal, the Lacazette goal, I think, is something that's going to be more important than just a garbage time goal. Sure. I think I, I, he needed that goal so bad for confidence because striking is a confidence game. Yeah. It had been well too long for him to have gone without a goal. I don't think he was the only one that benefited. I mean, I think every player that scored is going to benefit from a confidence boost. Um, I think uh, Bobby Egg, you know, he's been playing iffy, so getting back into the groove, good. Great. Pepe, absolutely a guy that needed another fantastic showing to show what he can bring to the team. Goal, two assists, an amazing performance is going to boost his confidence and let him try some stuff. Or, um, at least he, he might be clicking into the what Arteta wants from him. So that's a great sign. Um, and Ozil, of all people. That was... That was th- that was a weird. I wouldn't have predicted that goal to happen from the the beginning of the game, and I will say those two, last two goals were fluky goals. Yeah, um, that was not the keeper was not uh, showering himself in glory <laughs> there. No, it wasn't. And and getting back to those, the the or not getting back, but. With Azul, I thought it was a really weird lineup. I, I woke up, and I woke up right before kickoff, so I didn't have a chance to check the lineup. I woke up, turned on the TV, and then as I'm looking at the players, I'm, I'm starting to, like, the mid- midfield looked weird. I didn't see enough uh, fuzzy hair. Like, <laughs> and so I, I pulled up the lineup on my phone, and I was so confused at that lineup. That was. Did you expect that lineup coming in? Yeah, I too did uh, a little late to the game, but... See, I think the thing that stood out to me was was Ceballos. Yeah, that I thought to me, I felt like Torreira should have been the the starter. I expe- I kind of expected him to be in this game, um, or you know maybe Ganduzi. I think he I wouldn't have been too surprised to see him in in that spot. So Ceballos was my probably my third string guy in my mind, but. You know, we we hear some stuff about Kanduzi after the game. I missed that. What did we hear? Well, he uh, apparently was fighting with Arteta in Dubai, and it spilled over into the hotel after training. Wow, that's I missed that. Yeah, so he apparently was just had a bad attitude during the whole trip, and so the the coaches or the coach took notice of it and mentioned it. Um, a little bit in his uh, post-game press conference, like people were not behaving. And, you know, Ceballos had really stepped his game up in training. So I think he. it sounds to me from the coach's perspective, he stepped up when other people didn't. So he deserved that, that role. And I think I tweeted in the first half my general disappointment in how he played, but... but in the, for the most part, the whole team kind of played pretty bad. But I thought I was just going to say that, that the first half performance, I, I don't think anybody showered themselves in glory. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the exclusion of Torreira was not the worst thing in the world. Um, by the time the second half rolled in, everybody looked better, and Ceballos had a, a fantastic game. Like the game might have been Burnley level. You know, that was probably the first or second best game I've seen him play. And he oh, hasn't the had the first or second only time you've seen him play. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of uh, 
he hasn't had a lot of tests yet. Uh, he's had minutes here and there for the most part, um, but starts were have been rare, and he's he made the most of this one. Yeah, I mean, I was so impressed with him the second half. I, I mean, the first half mentally, I was just I kind of had written him off, and I, I didn't know how the Ozil Sabios combination would work because in my mind, for whatever reason, I kind of have them as a like for like. Yeah, I thought so too. That you have one or the other playing. But have them both, I think I was a little bit confused. And I think the first half reinforced my confusion. I th- the second half, he was just on fire. The passes he was making, like it, even the ones that weren't going to assist or getting, were just beautiful, well thought out, smart. I was, like, I was clapping on my couch sometimes yeah. just seeing his passing. I think the thing that really stands out by, uh, well, there's a couple things. He played in that deeper lying position. So that, kept him a little sta- more stationary. He, he worked centrally, but it kept him deep so he could kind of see the field and, and um, distribute from there. Kind of like a pure low roll type of... Yeah, I think he looked pretty good on defense as well. He had a g- few good plays in there, so he, he played a good midfield role in that deeper position. He wasn't totally playing passes forward. He was coming back and uh, fighting for the ball. So that was that was important to see from him. I think that's part of what Arteta needs from that position. It's something that can play both sides of the ball really well. I can't just be a distributor. Um, so that was different. And what that let Ozil do was really roam and not feel like he had to track back quite as much. He had a better wall behind him. And he didn't have to come back to find the game. Like He was getting passes where he didn't have to come up from the final third as much. So he was receiving the ball in an area where he could be more dangerous and kind of redistribute to the front um, attacking trio uh, more easily without having to track track so far back. So less running in the midfield just a, a, works best for him. Yeah, and what do you think about Ozil's performance? I, To be honest, and again, it, the first half is was almost like a different game, but I forgot that Ozil was playing in the first half when I was watching the game. I, I, I totally, But everybody was fairly forgettable. Yeah, everybody. I, I think that was the case. Um, I thought he did it all right in the second half, but I, I I don't have any like real other than the goal, like a lot of standout memories from those. Oh man. He had some touches in there. He had, um, he had one in the midfield where he just kind of touched it around the player, uh, ran back, collected the ball, um, and did an outside of the foot past. I think it was out to Saka on the wing. And it was just that sequence. I watched it a couple times. I was just like, how, Where's that bit? Like, just those little touches to get himself space. Um, he was really just, he was in his, I think he was in one of his best halves that we've seen from him, most do, complete. Do you think playing with Ceballos actually make, makes him a better player, that he feels like he has a platform to play on? I think so. I, I think that was a, those two together in that formation could really work. Um, and the way that Ceballos passes, he's got really fast passes. He's very quick to think, and then he he kicks it hard. Like he had, um, there was one shot that I think Saka made, uh, where he uh, Saka was inside the box, uh, kicks it out to Ceballos, who just rifles it right back to him. But in that quick moment, the defender had taken a step, and it gave Saka just enough room to take a step and make a shot. It didn't. It didn't rattle the frame, but you know it was it was a good curler, and it was a shot that he couldn't have taken that second before. But just because Ceballos saw, I can get it right back to him, and he has space. That quick thinking got Saka a shot. That those kind of shots in that kind of area weren't happening for, for Arsenal for a while. So it's great to see that in general. But I think Ceballos facilitates that uh, really well, and Ozil is a little more plotting in, in, in how he distributes. So it's nice to have that dichotomy a little bit yeah, that dichotomy uh, speaking of uh, Sokka how great was that nutmeg oh my gosh that I've watched 10 times or more <laughs> um, did you happen to see the uh, the interview after the game with yeah the, with, <laughs> with him and Evolving Egg was great and uh, he just goes whoop <laughs> which it's great to see youthful enthusiasm like that yeah like, I just I, I I think it's just hilarious like I so the the big thing for me is how do we get him to stick with us. I think Arsenal, it sounds like this week they were prioritizing getting his contract figured out. Um, so I think they've seen enough. Yeah. And I think everybody else has seen enough. The rumors are definitely out there that other teams are looking at his way as well. So um, I wouldn't mind a future left side player that can do multiple positions along there. 
it, you know, I'd love to see what we can do with him at both positions. But if he's our winger for the future, I see no problem with that. Uh, you know, we don't know what Aubameyang is going to do or Lacazette yeah. for that matter. But something's going to have to shift around and get him in the lineup. Um, but him and Tierney down that left hand side, that's that's a, a dream uh, speed duo there. I hope that's what we see yeah. next year. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm ready. It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. I'm, I'm almost not even at this point <laughs> thinking about it because it's just I'm taking it one game at a time. I what do you think about it just being Newcastle though? I know I know I talked about that Newcastle is is hard to break down often, but I, on the other side of the coin, it didn't look like a, a classic Newcastle. Yeah, I don't think we can discount any any wins against teams that are hovering around us in the in the table. Um, you know, they're a little bit, uh, you know, they're, they're in that 30, I can't remember. Let's see what we got they on the table right 31, here. I believe. 31 points. Yeah, they were tied with us, I believe, when we yeah. were coming in. I mean, the way Arsenal have played against teams in that range has not, it not been bad, but we've tied a lot more than winning, of course, this year. So I to not just beat them 1-0 to not get into a situation where we had to come back or, you know, to get the clean sheet um, and a a dominating win, I think that shouldn't be discounted no matter who it is, and especially when it's somebody who's playing to our level so far this year. If we can step out of that tier and ride this um, up a little bit higher, you know, three points only got us back to 10th place, so we didn't make huge gains, but, you know, it's... It's a a win, and that seven wins needs to be like ten wins. So yeah. we we got to continue this. Well, and, and and one of the things I heard about uh, Newcastle, uh, someone was describing Newcastle as a team that if your team actually cares, you can beat them. It's just the teams that overlook them, sure, that uh, they have trouble. And that gives me good feelings for this Arsenal side that they finally come to the realization that they have to actually care about these games they have to actually dominate every game yeah you have you see it at liverpool and man city there's no easy game they're gonna go out and try to beat every team the same way every every game and that's what we should expect from arsenal is not to let off home or away big club little club like there there has to be a strong mentality that every game is worth winning and worth dominating and you know stop thinking that you can play down to anybody you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and getting to something that Rod Nichols uh, from uh, the Cascadia Gooners brought up, and it's something I definitely thought of when I after this game. When is Arsenal going to be able to put two halves together? It's something we talked about actually a couple games ago. It was actually after the Manu win, I believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> with this idea that we, for whatever reason, put together one half of a stellar performance and just one half of just kind of... I don't know, not bad, but not great. Yeah, I think they've, I think the thing that they have had to do now is really buy into Arteta's system. And they, we've seen it in fits and starts. We've seen chunks of games where they've really figured it out. Um, this second half felt very complete in a way that other, other team or other games haven't really come together. So, you know, this one we're one half away is not that far off if they have a, a definitive win that's like, okay, everybody bought in and did the thing and look what happened. Now do that every game, the whole game. Once you've done the right thing and really clicked in, I think that'll be easier to continue, but we don't really know. Olympiacos, that could be the sign of whether they've really bought into this and can um, continue this run of form. I Premier League wins are really important, but continuing in Europa League is more important as of right now. So I think they have to have a good showing for a full game, especially away from home, because they haven't had a ton of luck with that against that team in the past. So this is a, a big test to see if we can continue on all fronts not feeling like we're playing down, not get afraid when we're playing away from home, especially in another country. These things that have crept in on Arsenal's psyche over the years need to kind of break apart. And hopefully that we've gotten to that level where we can get over these mental hurdles that we've had in the past. And especially with that Olympiacos game, 
I'm very interested because if you look at the the run in, we uh, like the last six games, it's almost been the home team wins. It was last year; it actually flipped, and uh, right, it was uh, the away teams that won. But in general, this has been a home team wins uh, series, and I definitely know that Olympiacos Stadium is a very frightening place to play. It's, yeah. it's loud. There's going to be flares. There's going to probably be a giant choreo. It's going to be an impressive place to be, and it will be very interesting to see how that Arsenal team reacts to that. Yeah, I, I think that, that I'm curious what the lineup's going to be. You know, what, what group are we considering our Europa League group? Is that our... Best eleven is that uh, a mix of young and old? Um, I so I wrote down an idea of what I think could Ooh, be. This will be fun, uh, and I could be way off. I that's what I, I'm not sure how confident we are we are going to feel against this team. Um, I think Arteta can't afford to go in um, underprepared. I think he's going to want to tr- try to dominate every game and, and instill that no matter what the lineup is. But um, he can't take Europa League lightly at all. So I think he has to throw everything he has at it while still rotating. I mean, there's going to be some rotation, of course. But um, this is what I'm thinking. Leto obviously sits. Mm-hmm. So we got Martinez in the in the goal. Uh, Bellerin, I think, sits. Yeah. I think... Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Maitland-Niles can handle that at that level. This is where I really have no idea is, is the center-back pairing. I've got Socrates, and I put down Mari, but he's only played 45 minutes for a U23. So, yeah. And that just happened yesterday. Today? Yesterday? I don't, I don't know. know. But very recently. So is he going to be ready to play Thursday? I kind of doubt it but i was like maybe louise could use a game off i'm gonna throw something out here uh-huh. and you're probably going to like freak out what about mustafi there i it's that was who i thought if it's not mari if he's not ready then it's then it's a mustafi socrates pairing back there that's what i think should happen yeah and i know i'm going to regret this and you're hearing me knock on wood underneath here <laughs> but i it, Mustafi, if he's looked good when he's played under Arteta, other than the one obvious mistake, and it, but don't it, you think in this scenario, playing in a Greek stadium, mm-hmm. um, you know, just just enough to true. get into his head, and Oof. you know, it, it either is going to uh, make him super excited or is going to make him. It just feels like one of those perfect laps and concentration games for yeah. Mustafi. So that is true. That. That could deter me from putting him in my lineup, but we, you know, I don't know if you go if you can bring Louise in there. Yeah, um, he's gonna play a lot. He's got so. a lot of miles. Although I could see Mario Moore going into uh, something uh, like more the Everton game. Could be. Then, They're then, gonna need him yeah. some point soon because the Everton game's at home, which could be, makes it a little bit more comfortable. As Gives a, him a few more days rest. Yeah, as a, a debut, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's very possible. Uh, left back, I think uh, you you put in Kolasinac because he probably could have played uh, the other day, so he's definitely healthy. Um, give Saka a rest or use him at... I think he, he's such a great uh, left-side sub. He could go in any position there. So if you needed to go chase a goal or just um, needed to give Kolasinac uh, a break because he's been out for a bit. so Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think that's one of the reasons Saka played on uh, the Newcastle game was to give like to make sure that Klasnak was ready for this Europa League game. I think that's yeah. I think he's um, he's going to be a strong rotational player, and you know we've got uh, Suarez that could slot in there at some point as well. So um, we'll see when he gets in who who the first choice is. Um, I think getting Saka into the lineup as much as you can is important, but he's he can't. Which is with as much running as he does, he's going to need a break at some point. Here. I mean, and just even watching that interview again, I remember I, it reminded me how young he is. Like, when you see him on the field, maybe he doesn't need a break. He is only eighteen; <laughs> he could probably run forever. Um, 
The midfield pairing, I, I still have Chaka in there. I mean, he seems yeah, so important. Around. I I don't know how he could not play um, at least for part of the game. Um, and then I uh, Torreira seems like the obvious choice since he didn't get many minutes the other day. Um, the the right side, I, I I put Nelson down. I think he's he's due for a game and. Um, Again, rotating Pepe could come in early in the second half. I, I mean, I see that. I, I think I would personally just stick with the hot hand with Pepe. That I think, yeah, w- confidence is something that he needs, and he, just keeping him kind of running through and almost like flipping it so that you start with Pepe, give him the 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 run in the team, and then uh, throw in Nelson later for yeah. They could I could easily see them swapping like do a halftime sub or a sixty minute sub. Um, Either direction, uh, just giving Nelson some minutes, I think, would be important. Um, but giving Pepe some rest, I do think like he he needs a rhythm. So getting him into the game in some capacity would be important. Um, another person that I like wasn't sure about rhythm, but Ozil, he without Ceballos, he's probably not worth playing away from home. So I would maybe just keep him out of the lineup. Altogether, so I put Willick down as my starting. Huh. I don't know who else we can put in there except for maybe Ceballos, but I I still think Ceballos is now. I think Ceballos is better in that Torreira position. Yeah, I mean that's that's a point. I would love to see more miles out of Ceballos actually. Sure, because uh, we only have him for the season, so I might as, we might as well get our our money's worth out of him. Yeah, and based on his second half performance, I'm more than happy to see him in that role. Yeah, so I could, see, I could see Ceballos possibly getting into this lineup in either one of those positions in that deep deep mid or that uh, number ten slot. I will call it. Um, but I put Willick down in my in my lineup because he's another person that needs minutes and could really run it, guys, and provide something a little bit different. But um, he hasn't had a ton of time in that in that position, so it would be interesting to see if he could really play a full game there. That might be a, a spot where you can sub either Sabios or Nozel in. Um, Martinelli, where's that guy been? It oh. was crazy to have such a, a, a great game with four goals, and Martinelli isn't even on the field. So yeah, I mean, I, and I only assumed when I saw the lineup that he was being rested for this game. Yeah. And I, I think, think he's he's played really well in Europe, so it's it's a no brainer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then up top, the man that probably needs more rhythm than anybody else or at least needs to ride the momentum that he has is Lacazette and I think he was obviously benched the other day both to give Enkedia some time to you know say you're not the hot hand right now it's a good reminder and also to rest him for for this game so I feel like he's probably a lock for this one you think it's interesting like when I was thinking about Lacazette one goal, it does a world of, of difference, but I'm still worried about him. And and, and away and away from home, yeah. That's not his forte for sure. I was thinking that his role might be best served as kind of a super sub right now. Could be. That that's some would, confidence that Yeah, way. exactly. Get him put him in, in situations where he's gonna succeed. Uh I'm not sure this is exactly the game for him. Yeah. To continue on, I mean, I could be eating my words next podcast. Record this, put a little <laughs> marker on here, and right. play it back next time when he scores the hat trick. But I, 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 I'd be nervous. I, do you think Oba just needs a rest right now, or do we not play him this early in the Europa League? What's the... I, that's a good question. I mean, um, I think he would definitely be playing at Everton and starting at Everton. So. Um... I don't know if he could start three games in a row. That's why with Lacazette getting benched in the last game, I thought he would for sure be in this one. Um, and with Martinelli also getting arrested, it seems like those two are definitely in. So I don't know. Aubameyang could come off the bench, but I don't I don't see him starting this game yeah, just to give him some rest. Because um, he'll for sure play left or up top against Everton. We'll have to see how many minutes Martinelli gets or if Saka comes in at all because those, those guys would fill those roles in against Everton. Yeah, and and you briefly mentioned Enkedia, and it's someone that I forgot to talk about really when we were talking about the uh, the game, the Newcastle game. And although he didn't score a goal, I think at times he looked a little lost up there. I there's there's one point in the game, it was fairly late in the game where 
I saw him track back and make a wonderful tackle. And it was just it was it was great to see that sort of commitment. Even as a striker, when your day is not going great and you know you're not seeing a lot of great looks, you you take yourself to the game, you know. Right. And I, I was really impressed with that. So I do. I hope he still stays in our our thinking. Yeah. If it's off the bench for this game, or I think he's a great off the bench player, um, and could be even better in the starting lineup. Um, maybe with a little different setup. It, didn't quite look like it was running to where he needed to get the ball. He's not a Lacazette player, um, but he does. He he takes great shots inside the box. Um, we saw him take a, just a quick snap curler, and it, and there was a couple others where it's close. So it'd be somebody. It'd be great to have another hot hand that we could rotate in. Um, so if we can get him going, that would be awesome to have, especially if Lacazette continues to struggle we need somebody else to step up did you want to take a break before we do our last thing or yes i was gonna say we should probably take a break we but the last thing we do have is uh, a little bit of start bench drop so okay. when we come back uh we'll do that and we'll do that shortly <laughs> <laughs> transition All right, welcome back from our little interlude. We've got one more thing to do this week, and that's start, bench, drop. We're going to go rapid fire. I think I had one more that I didn't add on this list. Now I can't remember what it was. I might have forgotten to put it on the Oh, order. it's okay. I It was probably not important. Um, okay, we'll just go with this. <laughs> Sorry. All right, quick. Get doozy. I think drop. Terrera. Start. Interesting. Ceballos. Start. Okay. So Shaka's on the bench. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Ozil. Bench. Okay. Uh, and Kenya? Bench. Okay. Lacazette. Bench. Mad City. Uh, normally I say drop, but I'm going to say start just because it's so entertaining to see them like have all, right. all this angst. There's two sides to that coin. Um, let's go back on these a little yeah. bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about Gunduzi. So, to you, does that disqualify him by fighting with the coach? Do you yeah. feel like he needs to be sitting another game or two, or is that what it done? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he needs a little bit of time on the naughty event or a naughty step. Like, uh, uh-huh. I think I, I mean, I, I hadn't heard that until today, so I, I probably haven't processed it well. But I, I don't like players fighting with a coach i think especially a coach that's a newer coach that's coming in trying to change things if anything though it's a fantastic uh you made a good example of him by like hey this isn't gonna fly you don't get to fight with me i'm gonna put you on the bench and you're gonna ride it until i until you show me you can buy in here and the the thing is and i i I can totally see from his perspective was because he hasn't been starting a lot i think that's been one of the biggest changes between emery and uh arteta is that Gunduzi has definitely not been the starting midfielder. I don't think he was playing so great that he should be the default starting midfielder. He should have to fight for that spot, just like Torreira and uh, Ceballos have had to do. Um, you know, Xhaka has solidified himself in that spot, so there's only other ones, one other slot to, to fill in, and Gunduzi is not the all-star player that he thinks he is sometimes. So, you know, he brings a certain... Um, attitude along with that you see on the field so i would imagine that that flares up occasionally uh it it can be a positive thing for him but um that that alone should not get you on the field yeah and i think i would make him definitely earn his spot back and you know as i say we don't see any of the back end so who knows what's going on in practice that sort of thing so but i I definitely want him to to be earning his spot back as opposed to just one and done yeah, and the fact that he was arguing maybe think, well, maybe he hasn't really bought in. You know, it sounded like he was kind of down uh, during the Dubai trip, so that that could indicate maybe he hasn't really found clicked into what the new system is yet. So we'll see if that if that can be rectified. Maybe he has to work his way back in over a few games. Um, so Torreira, we talked a little bit about. You think he should start? Yeah. 
I I think he should be starting more, but he he seems to be having to fight a little bit. And I think he, he, it's not that he's a bad player. It's not that he can't do um, uh, the role he's been asked to play, but uh, there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of competition. And in the way that I think uh, Ceballos and Ozil are almost kind of, not interchangeable is the wrong word, but kind of fulfill the same role, I think Torreira and, uh, and Jaka fill a very similar role, and I think it's kind of almost one or the other, and that's uh-huh. you're trying to play a very defensive game. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, Torreira can, can pass the ball well, but I, Ceballos certainly adds something on that side of the ball um, that Torreira doesn't have. Uh, I think Kanduzi is the odd one in that because he's... He could play defense, he could play offense, but is he the best at either one? I don't know. I think there's people that defend better than him and play offense better than him, so you'd probably play one of those guys depending on what you needed in that game. Yeah, and I'm going to make a MLS reference, and so apologies for anyone who's a Southeast <laughs> fan, but uh, he reminds me a, a, a bit of uh, a Brad Evans type of player where you, you put him in as more of a doesn't do either great, but does do both well, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah, kind of your, your generic box-to-box guy yeah, that exactly. can play all over the field and just get in guys' way. Um, so we talked a little bit about Ceballos. I think you got to play him as much as you can. He's fighting for a spot, both in Euros and, and on this team. Uh, if he shows up the rest of the season, he's uh, he could be a, a good deal. Yeah, and, you know, I just don't know enough about Ceballos. And I, I put start because I, I think the last game he played was amazing. And if we can just see that all the time and, and, and I do have good memories of that Burnley game. I, uh, and maybe it's the good memories are erasing some of the, the, the bad times. I just don't think we've seen enough of them. And, you know, we only do have them for the season. So we might as well try and leverage that as much as possible. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's, there's a lot that we could gain from having him start. I think when we were not sure about him, it was like, well, why keep him on the field if he's going to flame out and not going to produce? And, you know, it just seemed like there was a negative attitude towards him. But if, if he's changed his attitude and really wants to fight for this team, then he brings something that we, we could use. And I think if, that, if we can continue to let that flourish, it could only benefit us as we make a run, whether we keep him or not. And I do think the stakes have changed. Again, it's only one win, so I hate to like go out of the way, but I think the stakes have changed with Arsenal that we do have things to fight for this season. Sure. And I think if you take that mentality, you definitely want to be starting Sabias more. Yeah. Um, the last one we'll talk about, and we kind of talked about a little bit about it earlier, is Lacazette. Um, is he... I guess we don't know yet if, if he's turn the corner but did you see anything in this Newcastle game that um, really made you feel like uh, we should probably just have Lacazette in there over in Kedia even if he's not scoring no I I think Lacazette played a very Lacazette 15 minutes or however long he was in I very I, I don't know the exact number he was in but he he was what exactly what Lacazette does I think he has a lot of hustle I think he can score certain goals I think I think he he also had a, a pretty nice assist to, for Ozil's goal. Yeah, um, he can do that as well. He he could be that pivot guy in the box that can lay it off for somebody else to score. So uh, there is something he brings that maybe we don't have otherwise. But I I think in it just in my mind, and you know I'm not a coach, so who knows? But I just see him as a better plan B. As yeah. if the game's not working, throw him on from the bench and kind of pivot how we're playing offense and confuse the other team like, and, and sure. make them actually have to think of a new way around, which, you know, you know Arsenal famously has never had a plan B, but uh, I think he can offer a plan B from the bench. So let me ask you this then. If you go, if you're going to Everton, um, who would you play up top? And this is, we're, we're looking out past the game, yeah. so it's kind of hard to gauge, but you have Aubameyang, you have Lacazette, you have Enkedia, you have, Martinelli that you could throw into uh, that position. Who who do you put up top? I think our strongest top three is Oba, Martinelli, and uh, uh, Pepe. Uh-huh. I think if those three players are playing, 
at the top of their game, I think that's the most dangerous combination. Where they play in the, that kind of mix is a little bit more kind of fluid, I think. I like the, if we had a left side of Sacanelli is what I'm going to call it. Oh, Sacanelli. Um, I like him better playing down the side where they play off each other. Um, so I think putting the Bobby egg up top and letting Martinelli play out on the wing is the, I mean, I think both of those players, uh, improve in those positions. Yeah. And I think what happens then in that situation is if, you know, Martinelli is not performing or something, you then throw Lacazette up top and move, uh, Yang down into onto the wing. And again, it adds a plan B to these teams, and it just adds a whole different kind of pivot. Yeah, and it is nice that uh, Aubameyang and Martinelli can kind of interchange between those positions because Lacazette's not going to. So, <laughs> could you imagine Lacazette on the wing? Uh, no, I mean, I, there's been talk of like having him drop back um, and play the hole a little bit more, but that would be interesting. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that gets the best out of him. Um, I think he he does better farther forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to be close to goal. That's where yeah. he, that's where he's best. Uh, anyway, I think that's just about it for us this week. Uh, I'm super excited for another game on Thursday. So we'll we'll yeah. and then a big Everton game again on Sunday. So we, we'll have lots to talk about on our next episode. But yeah, I think both uh, you and I are going to try and catch it together uh, at Fado's. <laughs> Yes, we'll see. <laughs> if work permits. <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, people we have to thank this week, of course, uh, Copper Tree Coffee House for having us every week. Um, stop by if you're in the Seattle area. Uh, Vs for their uh, allowing us to use their music in our intro and whenever we have to take those bathroom breaks, they entertain you. The uh, album from last year, Light Lost check it out on your favorite streaming service uh if you want to get a hold of us the best way to do so would be via our email west of north london at gmail.com or our twitter which is at w of n london and uh we're gonna start experimenting with other stuff i've got an instagram account but we're still working on that work in progress i'm so bad at instagram oh, so. I, I feel I'm a foreign man in a foreign land. <laughs> and it shows me my age when I try and do it on Instagram. I'm trying. Are so doing if, a Snapchat? Oh God, we're not doing a Snapchat. But Instagram, if you have that, yeah, you know, search for us, West of North London. We're on there somewhere. Um, but uh, I make no promises about the content. I think we're just going to ask you to give us a question. That's it. That's all we ask of you. Give us a question. Give us a review. Give us a, a five-star rating if you feel like you really like what we're doing. Um, and tell uh, your friends about this podcast. That's it for us. Keep sending us your questions. We will continue to be as mediocre as possible and with our answers. And we'll see you at the next gun show. <laughs> <laughs>